We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello and welcome to the first edition of the Lock It Up podcast. I am John Kurtz. I am joined by Aaron Lockett, who will be the regular co-host here on this podcast. And we are very proud to be a part of KCSN. And our first guest is Tyler Lockett. So we're going Lockett squared right out of the chute, starting this podcast with a bang. We're going to talk with current Seattle Seahawk and obviously K-State legend Tyler Lockett here in just a second. The podcast is brought to you by 360 Vodka. It's the world's first eco-friendly vodka, crafted to be as good for the planet as it is to drink. American-made and American-owned, this premium vodka is made with locally sourced Midwestern corn and is naturally gluten-free. Six times distilled and six times filtered, 360 Vodka is smooth, clean, and green. Certainly appreciate their support as we get this going, but uh, Aaron, I'm fired up about this. I have worked with uh, Kevin Lockett on a radio show in the past, so now it's just completing the holy trinity here as we start with <laughs> Tyler. We have we have you as well, but uh, welcome to the podcast. Uh, why don't you update everybody, K-State fans, that have not been in touch with you on what it is that you're up to these days? Uh, I'm, I'm doing big things, so I'm enjoying myself. It's been a while since I've had opportunity to play for Kansas State, but obviously through Tyler, had a chance to watch K-State uh, from 2011 to 2015, but I'm actually in the process of getting ready to launch my own sports agency. So excited because Next Page Sports has got a marketing arm, is representing football and basketball players along with the coaching division. So excited to jump into the new world. Well, we're excited to have you, and I'm sure that uh, your, your number one client here is excited to talk with you as well in Tyler Lockett. Tyler, uh, appreciate the time and joining us here on the podcast. First of all, I think that has to be the first question, right? What's it like working with uh, with your uncle in this capacity? <laughs> well, I think it's a really cool experience. Obviously, uh, you know, we got the family legacy going on, but being able to kind of get into the family type of business era, I think that's something that's really cool. Uh, my uncle wanted to be able to just branch out and kind of figure out what he was passionate about, energetic about, what was his true purpose. And for me to be in a position I'm in and for him to be able to launch something that's going to be truly special, I uh, thought it was a great opportunity that he wanted to even have me as his first client. You know, sometimes people don't even want to start that way. They want to go get it their own way. And just the fact that he wanted to start off with me, I mean, what better way up than just that? I didn't want to pass on it. So, Tyler, you're coming up on year seven in the NFL. So tell me what, what it's been like to transition uh, from a receiver that started off as a third, fourth guy, 
return guy to now being one of the main guys for the offense. How does that feel, and what are some of the things you're using to stay successful? Yeah, well, I mean, it's been great, obviously. Um, I don't think it's what I always wanted. You always want to go in and just be the person right off the bat. And sometimes, like, you know, even when me and you talk, you start to realize that a lot of it is based off of time and as well as opportunity. So all you can really do is just prepare yourself for the time that you do get the chance to be able to be whatever it is that you desire to be or you see yourself being. So for me, I think like the transition was something that I had to learn how to adjust to because um, I, I pulled out different aspects of my game that may have looked different than it was at Kansas State. A lot of the mm-hmm. things that we want to see out of look different than what I was used to at Kansas State. And so some of the things that I do really good at, I had to put on the back burner in order to be able to be as great as I could be in the offense that we had. And so I had to learn how to adjust. I had to learn how to be good in a lot of different areas that maybe I didn't focus on as much at Kansas State. And I developed different techniques and different tools that allowed me to be successful. And so now having the chance to go into this year, uh, we got a different offensive coordinator. We're changing a lot of stuff up and a lot of stuff is going to look different. And so now I feel like I have a lot more freedom to be the player that I always knew that I could be. And sometimes I put on a back burner because I knew that I had, I couldn't be the person that I knew I could be based off of how we designed things to work during a couple of my years being there. How motivated were you by, I can remember like just talking to a guy who covered the Seahawks when you were drafted and, was asking him about like what the impact would be, and he's talking about special teams, right? Hey, this guy can come in and help us on special teams. Like, how how motivated were you by some of that talk when you came in? Like, hey, this will be a return guy as opposed to now one of the best receivers in the league. Well, I knew I wasn't ever going to be considered one of the top receivers just through conversations, especially coming out of the draft. I just knew that I always do best when I see an opportunity at hand in front of me, and just based off of how the NFL works, if you're not one of the top receivers and if you're not number one or number two, you got to be able to find a way to suit up as the top five receivers on special teams. So if that was just a way for me to get my foot in the door, that's all I really needed in order to be able to showcase um, my true skills and my true ability. So when I went to Seattle and they see me as a receiver, they might have been more shocked than ever to see what they was getting But for me, like I said, I always knew what it was that I could do. The only thing was, you know, everybody has different type of offense. You have a spread offense. You have West Coast. You have run gun. Like, you got different types of offenses that teams like to utilize, which causes receivers to run routes a little more different and a little more technique sound. But the way that we ran spread is all about getting to a spot. And so when you talk about – releases when you talk about being able to put a little more creativity in your routes we couldn't really do that you know and so that's what I mean when you run the spread it's all about getting to a position as fast as you can because everything is based off of timing but you know based off of the type of offense we run now it's pretty cool because you give your receiver a little more freedom to be able to be creative in their route running to be able to get themselves open to be able to see schemes get you open. It's just a whole different type of offense that allows you to be versatile on um, so many different levels. And we've had that since I've been there. 
but this is the more freedom, the most freedom I've probably ever had to be able to have a chance to to really be the Tyler that I that I did at Kansas State and you know high school and all that type of stuff. I'll say here, you know, as, as, we, as we think about Kansas State, I remember your first touchdown against Miami. I remember your last touchdown against UCLA and all the times in between. And so it's just amazing to see the growth, right? I've seen it day in and day out. And so talk a little bit about what it, what it meant for, for me and, and, and your dad, Kevin, to play at Kansas State and how you felt about following uh, some of the seasons we put together. Yeah, well, I mean, I never really – um, stressed or was worried about it until, you know, you finally get there and you see how much people love you and you hadn't even did anything yet or how everybody was comparing the two and it was like, he's in the middle of this, he's in the middle of that. So, I mean, sometimes when you come in with high expectations off, off rip, it's very, very difficult to try to live up to that and stuff like that. But I think, you know, um, my dad and you, know, you too, Uncle Aaron did a great job of being able to helped me try to find my own path and navigate through that. You know, my mom had a big um, a big part of that as well. Yep. And so I think for me, like, I held on to my faith a lot more than um, I might have before. Like, I, that was the one thing <laughs> that got me through, that allowed me to have peace to go out there and be able to play. And just being able to get the opportunities, like I said, it was about timing. You had a lot of great guys that was on the team when I came in. You had Broderick, you had Chris Harper, you had Tremaine Thompson, you had Sheldon Smith, um, and a lot of them, they were all up there playing, you know, before I even came up there. So not only did I kind of have to fit in and wait my turn, but special teams is what also got me in there when it came to being able to showcase what I could truly do as a receiver as well. And so I got better throughout the years. I I mastered my craft, perfected my craft, and I learned how to make everything work based off of the, the tool belt that I was given at Kansas State. Yeah, what point along those lines did you feel like you really took over as your own man, so to speak? Like, I'm Tyler Lockett. I'm not Aaron Lockett's nephew. I'm not Kevin Lockett's son. Uh, well, I mean, I never really looked at it like that. Um, I mean, I think sometimes you get lost in the wave because um, my grandpa would always call me Kevin or Aaron or Tyler or <laughs> my twins, brothers or Sterling. Then times Coach Schneider called me the wrong name. So, I mean, that was always something that I think just kind of happened. I don't, I wouldn't say I really got out the shadows or created my own, my own path when it came to the perception that people saw me. I just think when people, I think if anything, for me, it changed when I kind of got a word from God to where I knew I was supposed to be there. So for me, everything changed at that moment um, going into the third game against Miami. Um, for a lot of fans, I can't speak for them, but I feel like everything changed when maybe in their head they considered that I surpassed my uncle and my dad. And maybe for them, that's when they finally gave me my own path. But until then, if I, if I wasn't going to be able to surpass them, then it would have always been comparisons and always been questions and stuff like that. But now it doesn't matter if my uncle was best, the best locket in special teams. Yeah. You know what I mean? Now it doesn't matter if my dad was one of the best receivers when it came to 
Kansas State University. Like now, when I come in, it's not like a, well, how was he based off of his dad? How was he based off of his uncle? It's like now when they talk about me, it's like he 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 created his own path. And what do you remember? Uh, in part, I asked this about the 2012 season because just recently, Kellis Robinette with the Kansas City Storm, Wichita Eagle, he did this oral history piece where he was talking to, it's basically all the Wichita guys on that 2012 team, right? Like Arthur and Bryce Brown, um, Chris Harper, who you mentioned there, he was involved in that too. And they were just telling like what it is that they remembered most about that run that you guys had, where you wind up ranked number one in the BCS, the Baylor game happens, you do go to the the Fiesta Bowl and finish one of the best seasons in K-State history with a Big 12 championship. What what sticks with you the most about that year? Uh, I think the biggest thing that stuck with me was just the fact that we played TCU. They threw me a bubble. No, it wasn't even a bubble. We played TCU, and out of all the plays that I could have got hurt on, it was me trying to block. And I got <laughs> rolled up on. And it just sucked because my foot was hurting so bad that it was hard for me to prepare myself to even play the next game. And so, like, I tried so hard to get myself back. But even going into the game, I remember Chris was like, bro, if you can't play, just don't play. Because I could barely run. And, like, I still went out there and played because that's the type of player that I am. But I just wish, even if the circumstance wouldn't have changed, I just wish that I would have got to be out there playing as a healthy Tyler Lockett than a person that was injured. And maybe that could have changed the game. Maybe it wouldn't have changed the game. But, you know, I'll always end up remembering that game as they ended up beating us, and I really couldn't do anything physically to change the outcome because I, I was hobbling around the whole time. And that was kind of the deal with the whole team, right? Like you guys as a, as a team were just so beat up by that point in the year. Yeah. I mean, the crazy thing was we knew that all we had to do was beat Baylor. Like, mm. and that was just our mindset. We knew that we was going to beat Baylor. And not to talk bad about Texas, but, like, we knew that we were going to beat Texas because the whole conversation about Texas was they don't like to play in the cold. So we <laughs> had them – we were playing them, I think, in December at Kansas State, and we knew that they were so focused on bringing warmer jackets and warmer benches and stuff like that. And we just said, we just got to get past Baylor, and we're going to play Notre Dame in the national championship. And it just so happened that out of all the games Baylor wanted to get going, it was the game they played against us that really, you know, made us have to go to the fiesta bowl yeah you know i you know one thing i'll say tyler when i when i think about the fiesta bowl he played michigan and uh i remember three touchdowns and i remember i was not at the game but i was sitting at home and every time i was jumping and cheering for you and it's just one thing that always resonated with me with you is that we talked about it throughout your entire career is we talked about consistency and so people always ask about you know, how do people make it to the league? What's the biggest difference between college and, and professional sports? And I always talk about consistency. And so you've, you've showcased consistency since you've been in the NFL. Um, what has made you more consistent than anything? And what has kept you going on the straight and narrow since you've been in the professional football? Yeah, I think what's helped me be consistent, um, 
when it comes to the NFL, I think it was different than college. In college, I, I was looking forward to all the matchups that I was going against from my junior year all the way to my senior year. My junior year, I went against a lot of great DBs. I'm the first one. I want to say his name was Marcus Williams that came out of North Dakota State. Then all of a sudden, you know, I was looking forward to going against Jason Verrett that year, who was projected to be a number one draft pick. I was going against Aaron Colvin, who was projected to be a number one draft pick, you know, before he ended up tearing his ACL later on throughout the season. And so um, um, I think that's the same year that I was getting ready to go. I was going after Justin Gilbert. And so the more and more that you started looking at, like, the, the DB that I was going up against, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. the more prepared that I was trying to make myself to be. And so it it made me have to be be like, okay, let me focus on the fundamentals. Andre Coleman was there to help with the fundamentals, and I really got to develop a different type of aspect of my game. But the coaches also let me, like, be the quarterback on the field and also tell them what I also saw and what could work for a lot of us. So that helped me there. When I went to the NFL, I would say – the thing that helped me be more consistent was realizing that those first two or three years that I played, I wasn't going to get the ball like I did at Kansas State, where mm -hmm. I got 12, 14 targets, stuff like that. Sometimes I'm lucky to get one target. And <laughs> depending on if the DB was there or if it was a double team and the ball was in the air, I had to learn how to how to take advantage of that one pass that I was going to be able to get. And so it made me realize that, okay, even if it's a good throw, if it's a bad throw, if I'm double teamed, if the ball is in the air, or even if it's a throwaway, I got to try to make the best, like, I got to find the best way possible to be able to catch this ball because this might be the only ball that's going to be in my vicinity the whole entire game. And so that taught me how to be consistent when it came to the ball coming my way. Because there was games where, you know, if I got the ball once in the first quarter, I was basically out there playing but watching the rest of the game. And so I had to learn how to make those plays count. And so I think that's what helped me to be more consistent was not ever knowing how many catches or how many passes I was going to be able to get. So I had to focus on whatever came my way. I would imagine, too, playing in college for a guy like Coach Snyder has to reinforce some consistency because you're, you're frankly not going to survive that program without being consistent. <laughs> well, what do you remember about, about playing for Coach Snyder? What resonates most with you from your experience there? Yeah, um, I mean, I think playing under Coach Snyder, you start to realize how, how timely everything was. Everything was like – time basis we were literally under a military type of schedule and mm -hmm. when it came to it came to school when it came to um, football when it came to curfew or going out and all that type of stuff like everything was literally like based off of you got to do this you got to do this if you don't do this i will see you for pis you're going to get in trouble <laughs> and so i think what it really did was teach us a lot of people, um, which is not surprising, but a lot of people don't live with their dads. And so I feel like the system that he created was a father that a lot of people never had. And so it taught them structure. It taught them how to be disciplined. 
And there was a lot of people that laughed out. And you're going to have that for whatever reason, but they weeded out the people who they felt wasn't going to be able to be a part of what we had going as a team. But it also brought people closer together and it made us understand that there's consequences in every part of our decision making. And so with the little time that we had, which was free time, we learned how to make the best of that too. But now going to the NFL, I realized that how not strict it is. You know, how, but I also understand like if you're late, a lot of teams you get fined. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of stuff with that. Like some people get fined for not having the right weight. If they expect you to be 200 and you're 192, you get fined for every pound that you're off. <laughs> so, I mean, no, I was you, you said what? I was one of those guys for not making weight. <laughs> I'm telling you. It's I'm hard. Telling you, it's, it is. Luckily, I haven't had to, you know, to be a part of that or deal with that. But <laughs> I think being being at Kansas State and all the stuff we went through with the long practices, the extra running, after I made past Kansas State, my first practice at Seattle was rookie minicamp. And once we hit an hour and 30, they were like, practice over. And I looked around and was like, are we done? Mm-hmm. And it was like, yeah, that was a good practice. Said, That's our break. <laughs> I said, we're, we're sitting down, getting Gatorades, getting Gator lights, and we're about to go out there for another hour and a half and do the rest go. of our practice. And they were sitting there talking about, are oh, we done? So at that moment, I knew, like, this is way easier <laughs> than it was college. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. You know, Todd, I want to transition real quick. And so let's talk about Sterling. So Sterling's next up. And, and obviously, you and I have had the opportunity to see Sterling uh, from elementary to middle school to high school. But give the world your scouting report on what you see with Sterling coming around with one more year to go in high school. And then he's transitioned to Kansas State after that. Yeah, well, first off, Sterling will be taller than me and Uncle Aaron. Uh, that's the worst thing that I can tell them. Um, when it comes to, I think when it comes to footwork, um, since I've seen him, I went to a 707 and seen him, has really, really great footwork, um, especially from being able to watch him the last two years to now. Like, footwork is really good. When I watched him there in the 707, he was catching the ball, like, extremely well. I know, like, one of the things he's working on is just being able to catch those um, – those tough passes, 50-50 balls, balls up in the air, and nobody knows who's going to come down with it. That's something he's already working on right now as he's stepping into his senior year. Um, I'm really excited for him. I think he's getting faster. Um, I, I think he understands how to be quick, how to use his explosiveness. I think he's really good at running routes early on than a lot of us were. Uh, the biggest thing, though, is it's just understanding. I don't know what type of offense Kansas State really has. You know, so luckily for us, I mean, we all played under the same coach. Uh, Michael Smith was there when we were there at first. And we threw the ball a really, really good amount. I mean, Kansas State right now, you know, they they run the ball. You know, and so they still throw the ball, but it's not not as much as he threw the ball. And so it's not so much. I think he's going to be – I honestly think he's going to be really, really good. I just think the the only question is, is he going to be able to truly sh- be able to showcase it 
if we run the ball a lot. If if we throw the ball a lot, I think a lot of people are going to be happy with what they see, you know, with him being able to come in, with him being able to play. But also, um, I do understand now with being in a league that you have to be able to run the ball yourself. If you want to be able to win a Big 12 championship, to go to the playoffs, you got to be able to do both. And so I think if Kansas State can exercise both the run and the pass, it makes him being there a lot much more easier because he won't have to deal with double teams or triple teams because he knows that we have a great run game that can be able to allow him to get open as well. Well, Tyler, I've got a a couple of quick ones here. These can be quicker hitters for you, but – the best catch of your college career. What would you say was the best catch of your K-State career? You said on my K-State career? Uh, we can do both. We'll go K-State and then NFL if you, if you have that thought um, through. Well, I think my the best one in my K-State career was probably the one I did in spring game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was probably the best I one. That. I definitely remember that. Yeah. Yeah, NFL. Um, I don't know. I had one against, I want to say the Ravens. I had caught a one-hander, and then I got knocked out right after I caught it. So that was a really good <laughs> Or you could say the Rams one in the back of the end zone. That that was going to be my guess. And that, that also brings me to, I mean, that pro football focus stat that came up, you've never dropped a red zone target. Like, how, how crazy is it for you to hear that kind of a stat? Yeah, I don't really know if that's true or not. <laughs> okay. Good publicity is good publicity. I remember we played a game versus the Saints where Russ threw the ball. It was fourth down. I don't know where I was at on the field, but I dove and tried to get it with one hand because it was a little too far. And I almost caught it and reeled it in, but when I hit the ground, I didn't get it. And so I don't know. Maybe I was on the one. You know, maybe I was in the end zone. I don't know, but – when I seen that stat, that was the first play that I thought about. That's that's interesting. Well, hey, just don't send this podcast to PFF. I won't send it to them. We'll, we'll make sure that that stays out there for you. Um, hey, I appreciate the time again, man. And, and before we let you go, I guess one other thing I had jotted down here, and you rattled off some of the guys that you played with. Uh, who, who are you still closest with from your playing days at K-State? Like, who are you still talking to most? Uh, well, I don't talk to a lot of people like I used to, but – um, I still talk to Curry here and there, still talk to Jake here and there. Uh, I talked to Ryan Mueller a little bit here and there. He actually hit me up a couple of days ago. Um, he was at this burger place in, in, in Topeka. And so I forgot what it was called. Bobo's, I think. I think okay. it was at Bobo's. <laughs> so he, he was over there eating. But um, I still talk to Deontay. Deontay lives in Texas. I talked to Stephen West here and there. Uh, obviously, Deontay was always my best friend. There's people that I'll still be in conversation with or keep in touch with. It might not be how it used to be, but sometimes we even play the game together. It just kind of depends. Yeah. Well, finally, I mean, the, the hot topic in college athletics right now is conference realignment with Texas and Oklahoma bolting from the Big 12. And I I will say I appreciated your energy that you were bringing on Twitter, poking some fun at Texas because, you know, <laughs> you guys destroyed Texas when you were in school at K-State. What, what's your reaction to all this, Ben? 
let them go. If they want to go, let them go. Like, at the end of the day, I mean, you know, it might mess up our conference and all that type of stuff, but the Big 12 was really good last year. Well, when you played Texas, did you, like, did you guys feel like you had their number every single time you went out there on the field with them? Like, what do you remember about playing Texas when you were in school? Yeah, I mean, we weren't. I, we were more excited playing against OU. You know, like when we played Texas, we knew we were going to have to play. But, I mean, it wasn't the same Texas that was like there when Vince Young was there. You know, yeah. when it was like they were like the top of the crop. You know, like we don't know what happened or what. But when we were going to school, it was OU that was the top of the crop. It was TCU that was the top of the crop. It was Oklahoma State that was top of the crop. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So even whenever I got there, we became the top of the crop. West Virginia was the top of the crop. You know, Baylor was the top of the crop. They had RD3 and they, you know what I mean? They had so many guys. So, I mean, you know, at that point in time when we were there, Texas wasn't at the top of the top. And so, I mean, but if OU and Texas want to go to the big to the SEC, that's fine. Let them go. If they if they might get more recruits, they might, you know, get more publicity, whatever the case is. But I mean, that just makes our chances of going to the playoffs that much more better. <laughs> like, if you ask me. Yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, it's it's one of those things where. You know, if you look at the players that's come from the Big 12, right, if you look at the Patrick Mahomes, if you look at the Tyler Lockett, if you look at the Tyreek Hills, none of them went to OU, none of them went to Texas. And so I think just alone, the Big 12 has produced enough talent that's been successful at the next level that I look forward to just looking at a conference. Uh, you know, whoever wants to come in is great, but we'll continue to produce good football. And, and from there, like you said, I'm looking forward to Kansas State playing against the top teams. They've always showed up well against the Texas and the OUs of the world. And so just another opportunity for them to showcase their skills against whoever wants to join the conference. Yes, sir. Well, Tyler, if you, if you want to take more shots on Twitter, man, I'll retweet every single one of them. I'll just let you know that <laughs> here on the way out. So, well, we, I was just being honest. We could bring Notre Dame in the big 12. Yeah. Yeah. Well, All right. Well, Aaron, do you have anything else left here for this guy before we get him out of here? No, as always, he knows I know how to find him. So I'm looking forward to him playing year seven. Uh, excited for what he's doing. Um, proud of him from the, from the bottom of my heart, right? I've seen him grow up, but uh, he's doing it the right way. And he's uh, he's making an impact on a lot of people's lives, and I'm proud of that. So just happy to be connected with him uh, through family and happy that he'll be my first guest. And we're looking forward to doing more. Well, I appreciate that, man. Love you, Uncle Aaron. All right. Love you as well. And appreciate right. you too, Mr. Kurtz. <laughs> Thank you, Tyler. I appreciate it, man. We definitely, uh, definitely are thrilled that you were the first guest here. And again, the show is brought to you by 360 Vodka and Holiday Distillery. A big thanks to them for for helping bring all of this to you. It's going to be awesome as we get rolling here throughout football season with the Lock It Up podcast. He's Tyler Lockett. He's Aaron Lockett. I'm John Kurtz. Thanks for listening today for the first edition of the Lock It Up podcast here on KCSN. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. 
That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.